this is Monocle Reads. I'm Georgina Godwin, and my guest today is Tamil Shahabi. He's an award-winning author. His first publication was The Secret Billionaire, a YA mystery thriller which won a host of awards. He studied mathematics and creative writing at Harvard and said the two subjects are not as different as you think. Both are dedicated to the pursuit of logic and beauty. His latest book, Words of Love, is told entirely one day at a time through text messages, social media posts, dating profiles, emails and journal entries. The genders of the two protagonists are left up to the reader. Tamil Shahabi, welcome to Monocle Reads. Let's begin with your Persian and Parisian background. Tell me about that. Uh, so my parents are Persian. I consider myself Persian. Uh, we speak Farsi at home. And I think ultimately with in all my travels and wanderings in life, that the closest identity I've always felt is Persian. Uh, but I've never lived in Iran. I was born after the Persian Revolution in Paris. And I went to school in France. Um, I went to bilingual school where I picked up this uh, kind of deceiving American accent uh, as opposed to a, a, a much uh, smoother French one. And I think being born in France to a Persian family actually helped me fall in love with literature and with, with writing and, and with words because both cultures are steeped in an incredibly rich literary history that I think has been a part of my baggage throughout life. Yet you went off to America rejecting both Persia or Iran and France and indeed words because you went to study maths. I did. I, I've always loved maths, um, which, by the way, in, in my stupid accent, it's actually hard to say. I, math is much much <laughs> easier. The THS kind of messes with me. Um, but yeah, I've always loved math. I studied, I was very fortunate at Harvard that I could combine the, the two things I love most, which were pure math, theoretical math, and computer literature. And I found, as, as you said uh, very beautifully a moment ago, that the two were not quite as separate as expected. And I think that the two really kept feeding my brain in a way that I, that I really enjoyed. Mm. And you also mentioned kind of rejecting uh, France and Persian. I think that's very, you know, that's a very good question. I like to think that I sort of have carried them with me wherever I, I go. But yeah, it was a big move when I was 17. Wow, that's young to leave. Yes, especially from Paris, where I was only just getting started um, being a, a real person in the city and, and exploring. And, you know, I was, I was smoking cigarettes at the time. I thought I was very cool. And so it was a, a big break from all that. How did your writing career begin? So I originally used to write in French. And when I was in high school, I was writing um, novel length fiction in French. Uh, and then when I moved to America, I started writing in English, which was actually fairly hard for me. And still to this day, I think every once in a while, I'll write something that might actually be translated a little too closely from French or even from Persian. So I had to approach the English language a little bit academically and um, try to sort of become as close to a native speaker and writer of it as possible. Uh, but when I was in college, I started a bunch of extracurriculars doing theater and this and that, and I ended up sort of dropping everything and just focusing on writing. And I, I used to write something like three to four hours every day after classes in the library. And I thought of it, my analogy to myself was, it was a little bit like being an athlete in college where I had my, my class you know, work and then I had my, my other work. And at the time it was a little bit frustrating because I, I would say I probably wrote hundreds of pages that will never see the light of day and drafts upon drafts of the same stuff that's just kind of languishing in a hard drive somewhere. But in a way it was part of my education and part of my journey. And so I kept writing wrote a handful of books over time, went to grad school, actually in the UK, which I loved. It was, you know, I think one of the best chapters of my life was living in the UK. And I studied maths and computer science 
Uh, but I kept writing and I was experimenting with different genres. I tried historical fiction, uh, kind of contemporary literary fiction. Then I started writing children's fiction, actually younger than anything I've published. And I sort of found my groove for whatever reason in the young adult mystery genre, which, which for me at the time was pure escapism and, and pure excitement. And that's, that's how I fell into, I guess, what I, what I wrote in 2016, which was The Secret Billionaire. And then when that book was, was warmly received, I wrote a sequel for that called Someone in the Walls. And then for reasons that I'm happy to go into, I, I sort of switched genres a little bit for this most recent book, which is a, a love story set in the present day. Mm. Let's just talk about those YA novels for a, a little while. They are uh, two parts of books on the Surway fortune. Tell us a little more. Sure. Um, and I will say, I, I am not myself, or I was not at the time a YA reader. I, when I was in school, I studied Proust, whom I love, you know, talking about, I guess, taking my, my French baggage with me. That's always been a, a huge influence to me. And I know one of the authors that you've spoken with a number of times, Andre Asiman, whom I adore, and he's a big Proust scholar. So I'm, kind of, you know, and because he's Egyptian, I kind of take pride in thinking maybe I'm, you know, have some stuff in common with him. Mm-hmm. In terms of the YA novels, I think the, at the time, I was working quite hard in the corporate world, and I had these sort of fantasies of escape, as I mentioned, and I, I kind of came up with this idea uh, sort of randomly, I think purely because my brain was trying to sort of find its way out of my present day. I thought of this idea of being a little kid out in the world and chancing upon an enormous fortune. And obviously, this is rooted in all kinds of children's fairy tales like Alibaba and the 40 Thieves and things like that. Well, obviously, Alibaba is an adult, but I started to think of this adventure not just as some speculative thing in my brain, but as an actual plot. And I started putting, you know, pen to paper on the story. Uh, and one thing I did that was a little bit, I guess, adventurous for me because I'm not used to this kind of thing is I started posting videos on YouTube, which I've since taken down. But I would sort of narrate my progress as I went, and I would talk about things like, you know, writing-related things on YouTube. And that started gathering some traction and people started actually caring about what I was doing and, and, and being excited about this book that was coming out. And it felt like there was a little bit of a community there. And so when the book came out, I think a lot of people who are not YA readers, and I'm sure you know, the, the YA readership is a, across all ages. Yeah. And so a lot of people sort of related to the story that I think is a universal fantasy of being, you know, sort of down on your luck in the world and, and chancing upon something extraordinary. And then there are questions about what you do with that and what responsibility do you have with that? And that's how it came about. I mean, in the second book, Someone in the Walls, you've hinted that that might be slightly autobiographical. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I, w- I was a little bit kidding, although I think um, the stories have started to feel, and I hope they'll continue and I hope they'll feel more so, they've started to feel a little bit allegorical and, and reflective of my life. The, the main character is a little bit rootless. His origins are not super clear even to himself. He's sort of finding his place in the world, which, by the way, applies to me and, you know, seven billion other people, I'm sure. But the second book is less about, you know, coming upon this great fortune and more about finding your place within sort of the the lot that you've been given in life, whether it's good or bad, trying to make the most of it and trying to emerge as your own person, which to me felt actually much more real than the first book, which was more fun and maybe a little less um, revealing of me. Mm. So tell us then about transitioning from young adult literature to more mature themes in your next book, Words of Love. Definitely. So um, there are a couple of things that pushed me in that direction. Uh, one is that, to be very literal about it, 
while I was writing these books and going about my life, I was actually, you know, dating a lot. And I was on the dating apps and I was meeting people and getting my heart broken and getting excited and, you know, going through that cycle. And one thing that occurred to me was that our dating culture in today is very unromantic. I think dating apps, rightly or wrongly, are still a little bit maybe not stigmatized, but I think there's something very unromantic about it. Um, I personally hate uh, the idea of, you know, swiping right or left based on a, a person's picture. But I also thought that in spite of how transactional it is and how digital it is and things that we don't associate with great passion, great emotion, one thing that I felt in myself and in all my friends and everyone around me was that the emotions themselves are still very much alive. I'm a huge opera fan. I have a, a music background. And I thought these, you know, these great operas about gods and geishas and duchesses and princesses, whatever, those operatic moments are still alive and well in us as we go about these very transactional dates, because ultimately the emotions are human and universal. And so I thought I would love to write a book that brings authenticity and realism and passion into today's kind of dating scene, which I think is not associated with any of the above. One other thing, which is um, I got a lot of great compliments on the first two books in terms of how uh, cinematic they were. And people kept saying, oh, I, I, you know, I was picturing this like a movie or it could be a TV show, which to me was in enormous praise. Um, but I also love the written word. And so I wanted to write something that is truly leveraging the written medium. And so this idea that you don't know the character's genders, it's all in social media, really lends itself to writing as opposed to any other medium because mm. the the medium becomes the the message, I guess, to be. It's so it. interesting. The structure and the pretext are fascinating. So just go in a little more into into how it's laid out because we begin with a with a dating profile basically. Yes, which again, very, a lot of it is taken directly from my life, for, for better or worse, probably for worse. Um, <laughs> but it starts with a dating profile of a, and I did a little bit of research into names that are considered unisex, and I looked at you know registers of boys' names and girls' names, and um, and so I came up with the names Jamie and Taylor. I asked around, and to my knowledge, as of 2022, um, you know Jamie and Taylor are still uh, pretty unisex names, and so it starts with the profile of Jamie, this person. Um, I live in New York City, and I think New York City kind of infuses my experience of, you know, being in my 20s and my 30s. And so it's never mentioned, but I'm sure it's rooted in that city. And um, Taylor finds Jamie's profile and uh, kind of really likes this profile and starts, you know, texting, I guess, his or her friends about it. And eventually, just, just like it has happened to me many times, the two decide to meet, they start texting, they start dating, and it's really the story of their relationship. And one thing that I found was a very fun challenge is to tell this story without third-person narration. So it's very hard to, I thought it was hard, at least for me, to say something like, oh, now they're going to spend the night together, they're going to sleep together, or one of them is running late. When, you're, when you can't say that, it all has to come out in the text. Mm. And so how do you convey through text, oh, they actually slept together? Because no one actually texts that to each other. Um, so there are kind of cool little narrative challenges about how to tell this story uh, without cheating. Mm. Now, I'm completely fascinated about the gender of the protagonist. So tell us, firstly, why you decided to write them as genderless. Yeah, um, I think I wanted this story to be uh, completely universally applicable. They also don't have race. They don't have ages, really. You can sort of get a sense that they're maybe young-ish, but that's not necessarily the case. And it's not even clear to me what youngish even means. 
I wanted to write something again, much like opera and it, and I hate to keep going back to that, but it's been such a big part of my life. I wanted to feel, to write something that feels universally resonant and has the same quality as music, which is sort of abstracted away from demographics. And so that was exciting to me. Uh, the other thing that was exciting to me was again, with this idea of writing something that could only be written and not really filmed, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if people get to decide everything about what these characters look and feel like. And if you're the kind of person for whom love looks like a man, then this story will work in your head. And if, and if to you love looks like a woman or, or something else entirely, then this can still work. I just thought that was a very cool way to, I thought a very cool way to, uh, to describe love to literally everyone who's reading. It. Mm. And was it difficult to achieve to write in that way so that you weren't swaying towards one gender or another? It was. Um, and I, you know, I sort of blame myself or culture or society because no matter what your orientation is, I think at least of my generation, you sort of end up falling into kind of heteronormative cliches of what relationships look like and what romantic comedies or, or tragedies or couples look like. And so I had to fight myself to not fall into that um, because obviously I, I know better in my life, but some of this is so ingrained in your psyche that it was kind of hard to detach myself. And so I would go great lengths to, there's pictures in the book, they, they send each other pictures. And I wanted to make sure, you know, if you see someone's shoe or someone's bedside table or someone's wardrobe that everything could be you know male or female or something else mm, i love the fact that you've included all this kind of mixed media and that that it isn't just the apps it's it's big long journal entries too it's all sorts of different ways of communicating yeah it was it was really fun i created this thing um one of the characters posts what i guess are instagram posts i'm not I, i'm terrible at social media but i was thinking most people are better than i and so there's um one of the threads through the story is one of the characters posts these pictures of strangers who look like that, you know, hashtag is strangers who look like I feel. And I would go about New York City taking these kind of secret pictures of strangers who are looking really tired or really excited or who are dancing. I mean, New York City, you know, everyone's crazy. And so there's a lot of fodder for that. Um, and I thought it'd be really fun, again, without revealing the gender, to show through these pictures what the character is going through. Uh, I wonder how you mentioned that maybe some of it was about your own dating life. Uh, so I wonder how much of that you've actually lived. Um, quite a bit, unfortunately slash unfortunately, yeah. And there's some kind of inside jokes about, you know, bars where I met people and uh, advice that people have given me and mistakes that I've made. And so a lot of it, I think, it's, it's not literally taken from any one story or relationship, but it's kind of a, an, I guess, an amalgam of, of many that I've experienced. And actually, in the acknowledgments of the book at the end, I sort of address it to, you know, people I've dated, you know, in general without naming names and saying thank you and, you know, I forgive you, I'm sorry, all that stuff. Because for me, it was actually very therapeutic, I think, to get this out on the page. Yeah. Does your love, your personal love story end happily? Um, you know, this is a, more than I it was bargaining for, but I'll tell you, um, <laughs> I was, when I was writing the book, I was actually in a very serious relationship and we were moving in together. We bought a house together, we were planning a family and all that stuff. And for whatever reason, it actually ended just a few months ago. And so in a way, the and I started writing the book during that relationship. So it kind of, you know, charted the story of that relationship. Um, and I think this sort of sad ending in my personal relationship uh, is a kind of a bittersweet lens through which to, to look at the book. Oh, and so, I mean, did you find then that the book changed because of, of, of your own circumstances? Uh, that's a really great question. I think so, actually. And both the book changed and the way I will always look at the book. Yeah, I think um, 
it, it has taken on a, you know, a sadder significance than I thought, but also a sweeter one in a way, because I, I put so much emotion into my life while writing it. Yeah. Do you think the book might have been responsible for the relationship ending? Oh, man, you're, you're asking the best questions uh, or, or the worst, depending on how you look at it. I don't think so, to be honest. I really don't think so. I think, unfortunately, uh, I learned a lot in this relationship. I learned that you can love each other and still not be right for each other, which was such a weird and, and sad lesson to learn. And I, I learned about, you know, the ways that you're really compatible versus not and, and how ready I was versus not. And so I think it, there was a lot, a lot there that was beyond the scope of, you know, writing the book. Mm-hmm. So this will always be, as you say, your breakup novel. Uh, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so I mean, sorry. you know, tomorrow is another day, but yeah, I think that's true. But are you back on the apps then? Yes and no. I, I you know, I'm taking it easy. I'm t- this is relatively fresh, so I'm taking a, a bit of a break. Um, and I've been, you know, spending time with family and friends and kind of healing. But again, life goes on, and you know, we're not getting any younger. So yeah, I should be back out there. Um, Now, I love the fact that you have jumped genres, the fact that you spent so long refining your craft, experimenting, writing in different styles and different forms. And now you've written this really very unique novel. I don't know of any other novel that's done without revealing gender of of either protagonist uh, and completely, as you say, without any kind of third person narration. So what's your next challenge? I have really sort of fallen in love with writing love stories and I um, have an idea for a next one. I think just the epistolary form uh, has always been exciting to me, even as a student. And so I love the idea of communicating through letters. I love the idea of, of you know, romantic entanglements. Um, I, I do think there's so much more to be done in this sort of less gendered world uh, that we now live in. You, you started by asking me my pronouns. That's, you know, that's a sign that we are in a world that was different a few years ago. And I think that's wonderful. And so I want to write more along these lines, but I also at some point want to go back and, and kind of wrap up the survey fortune. Maybe the characters will be a little older and maybe they'll have more romantic entanglements of their own. But I think my next book at this point is probably going to be another contemporary literary romance. Tema, I hope that you're going to keep us posted about your relationship status. Thank you. I will. I promise. <laughs> Words of Love is by Tamil Shahabi. Uh, it's out now. It's published by Page Wing. You've been listening to Monocle Reads. Thanks to the producer, Nora Hull, and researcher, Georgia Bisvas. I'm Georgina Godwin. Thank you for listening.